Hi, I'm Jan. Melena. And this is our first edition of our podcast, Latina, Latina Life. Life. Our first guest is a dear friend of mine, Monica Jaramillo. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. She has flown in zero gravity. She's surfed with Kelly Slater. She's a 25-year industry veteran in Hollywood and has just been at the helm of so many different A-list events. Monica, thank you so much for being on our first podcast. <laughs> of course. Um, by the way, you made me a little bit older with 25 years. It's only about 21. I mean, I'm not taking all that. Wait, we've been together like what since before I had kids. That's how long it's been. <laughs> I was like, don't make me that old. No, <laughs> but you don't look it. You know, you don't oh, look thank you, thank you. you. <laughs> I'm teasing. Um, um, but goodness, for, Jen, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for um, Jen and Elena. Thank you so much for having me on this podcast today. I just we're super I, excited. Same. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, first, let's get started. Let's get started because I want to share with um, you know our audience your story. So tell us about your story. You know where you're from, um, how you grew up, the college you went to, and you know what you thought you were going to be doing in life. Of course. So um, I grew up an hour east of Los Angeles, and I was actually the first person in my family to ever go to college. And you know, it was one of those things where if I just stayed home, had kids and you know, got married, my mom would have been absolutely thrilled. I never had that um, type of push that I was supposed to go to college. Actually, my mom refused to give me money for the AC ACT tests because she thought I was trying to take money from her. She didn't understand I had to take SATs and ACTs. Like that's how much we didn't know um, and she didn't know about college. I also wasn't allowed to apply to any place that was further than an hour hour away from home and so luckily I had a, um, a fantastic best friend whose mom was like actually a little tiger mom Mrs. Kang and so I was able to go to SAT prep classes with my dear friend Linda and you know sort of get that experience but it was something where I really had to as a as a young you know teen seek seek that out because my family just didn't know they didn't have that type of experience and so all I knew is that I really wanted to go to college and so luckily I uh was able to get a four-eyed UCLA. Uh, we didn't have a lot of money and thank gosh, I was pretty darn smart. So I was able to, <laughs> I was able to get there. And then while I was at college, you know, I, I did, I did have a bit of a different experience. It was a bit of a culture shock. Um, I had to work, you know, when kids were going to football games and, and doing all those sorts of fun things on weekends, I was at the bank working. Um, how I sort of got into the industry, thank goodness, is there was a career fair at UCLA and one of the alums who ended up being the co-chairman of the largest PR firm in the world at the time, uh, the firm was Rogers and Cowan and the co-chairman was a gentleman named Paul Block, who's also my mentor. Um, I made a terrible joke at the table. I was in completely embarrassed, mortified, you know, didn't feel like I had the right clothing to wear. I was just, I just felt so not prepared for for even future life and um luckily the bad joke made an impression because they hired they called me the next day for an interview and I um got the job the next day and then I had been in PR since you know 1998 that so that's kind of how that experience is how I got into into this career um even to go back to a little bit about college do you want me to talk about the, that experience as well so yeah. so um so going into college, like I shared before, I was the first one in my family to go. And I just, I, I really didn't, I didn't get it. You know, um, they luckily had some programs at UCLA for 
for Latino kids and computer labs and, and all those sorts of things that thank goodness that, that, that the school offered those. But I did come in, I'd have to say at a, at a bit of a disadvantage just because I just didn't know what I was prepared for. But luckily, you know, like I said, they had that fantastic program where I was able to um, meet a mentor who would then really propel my career. And I can say that if I didn't have that college experience, I definitely wouldn't have been here where I am today. Wow. I feel like so many people, though, feel it that way in, in school, you know, like not prepared, not having, you know, and not by parents' fault at all, but they don't know because mm -hmm. they didn't do it right. So how are they going to help, you know, their kids if they don't know? So I think a lot of people can relate to what you're saying because I think in our culture um unfortunately yeah that's somewhat a lot of us feel that way and or felt that way when it was our time when we were there so what was your like big break I know you said that you know you went ahead and you made this bad joke and obviously you got into the company and you started learning but you know what really gave you that jump so the jump was um, working at an internship at this at this PR firm, and luckily he took a shine to me, and I said, "I am so sorry, I can't stay here unless you pay me." And in the late '90s, for an intern to say she can't stay unless she's paid, for a Latina to say she can't stay unless she's paid, that was huge. Mm -hmm. And so luckily, um, you know, he saw my value and that there was like a fire in me that I just knew I needed to succeed and I knew I wanted to do publicity. And it takes a special kind of person to do publicity because it's not for the faint of heart. And I sometimes think, did I really choose the right career? But no, I tease. Um, and, and it was personal publicity, which is even, I think, the far more challenging of all publicities out there. Um, but that was really the big break when I was first able to understand, oh my gosh, like I have a little bit of value. And they will keep me here as a paid intern, which was unheard of to have this person go to bat for me. And so um, after it was obviously the late 90s, it was it was a bit easier then. But after that, then they hired me full time at the firm. And so I did that for um, a good six years. And that really was, you know, it was more than probably I could have imagined. A-list celebrities is who I worked with. The on the ground training of just having to think in high pressure pressure situations. I mean, you know, no one in my family, I don't, it took my mom probably like 15 years to even understand what a publicist was. I think if you ask her now, she'd be like, I don't know, she like represents things and people, you know, so she would really like <laughs> kind of not be able to explain it properly. But um, so uh, I would have to say, you know, that that was definitely the, the big break. I have a follow-up question. When you got the job and once you were in the game and you know you're at one of the biggest PR companies, um, how many other Latinas were there? Oh my gosh, there was not. Are you kidding? Okay. <laughs> one Monica. That yeah. was me. Yeah, there was me. There was always me. And um, that's kind of uh, just a trend that I saw throughout my career. Um, so shortly after leaving personal publicity, I started doing brand publicity. And um, I was at companies and, and with that type of marketing, we're often asking, clients are asking us to bring them a, a, a talent that matches that particular brand. And so many times I would be in that room and I would say like, you know, team, ladies, gentlemen, like we have to think of color. 
we've just like, I, I would say team, we have to, you know, think in color there because unfortunately they would, you know, they're very often the talent that we recommended would only be talent that, you know, sort of uh, there, there was no diversity in it whatsoever. And so I, I always made it a conscious effort, no matter what, to make sure that 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 was who we would at least proposed it to the client. Because sometimes I would sit there and I would just think, you know, I could never get mad because unfortunately as humans, we, um, we suggest or we think about what is very similar to us. And so when you're in a room that doesn't have diversity, it's not the thing that comes top of mind. And so I just was very often the only person in the room that would say like, we need some Latina folks, we need some black folks, we need some Asian folks. Like, let's like make this look more robust and make it look like what the real world looks like. So, yeah. And I have to say that that is why it was so important to have you in that room, you know, and hopefully, you know, we're hoping that there's more. I mean, it's been the slow progress for the Latina community and in the industry and other industries as well. But let me bring up to when you first started out, you, you brought that up. I can't imagine. Well, I mean, I can't imagine because I think I am the only Latina. I think, I mean, really growing up, yeah. I mean, in the industry, yeah. we've been the only Latinas, all three of us, you know, in, in our in our category. In our category. Yeah. So what are some of the biggest, or maybe what was like one of the biggest challenge that you faced when you were starting off, you know, as a Latina? Sure. Um, I went through a, a period of time uh, and it definitely was in, I could tell that it started in maybe even junior high and high, uh, junior high, high school. It definitely was in college. I was embarrassed to say my last name. My last name is pronounced Jaramillo. That's just how it's pronounced. People couldn't spell it. Nobody was rolling their R's. Um, no one was having a silent J. And so I would really Americanize it and call it Jaramillo. And um, that was something that until I got into it was definitely my first job. And I have to tell you, it was, it was, the, it was the Grammys. I can't remember the year I was working the red carpet and Ricky Martin did this amazing performance. And then all of a sudden it was cool to be Latino, like, but not like super cool, but cool enough. Right. And so I was slowly being able to see in sort of mainstream media that there were more Latina um, and Latino role models. Jennifer Lopez was coming up as well, but you know, when you're looking around a boardroom, you, you don't see that at all, mm -hmm. especially, you know what I mean? Especially in the entertainment industry, unfortunately. And so I think one of the biggest challenges was me understanding my identity. And actually I had a point of view, but I was too afraid to share my point of view. I didn't mm -hmm. want somebody right to like, she doesn't know what she's talking about or, and also in a culture where you really don't rock the bow, you know, you don't, you're not, even though we're like the most fun loving, huggy and kiss you and make you eat so much food, like on the planet, we are very sort of just like more reserved sort of, you know, especially in the workplace, just kind of like observe, do your job, keep your head down. That's what my mom would say, keep your head down, work hard. And I would see people get promotions. I would see people getting more money and I couldn't understand. Like I'd been there longer periods of time. I couldn't understand why I wasn't getting that same promotion. And, you know, I had to leave a job because that happened. I, 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 I couldn't figure it out. And so it kind of led me to, um, even to where I am now, and I can stop talking if you want to ask that as a follow-up question, but 
you know, the reason that I even started the company that I have now, which is labeled the agency, is because um, there there's another woman and she's also Latina and she literally was, her hair was falling out. She thinks like she worked so hard, it, it gave her cancer. And, um, and so we wanted to have an agency where we could make our own schedule, have our own clients, be able to like legitimately have a life because I was so used to putting my head down, working hard and working these, you know, 14, 18 hour days. I mean, Jen, I know you're guilty of it because I've called you at sometimes, you know, hours to get answered, you know? And so, and I think a lot of that was fear-based. If I don't, answer right away. If I don't get the right answer, if I'm not perfect. Oh my God, they're going to fire me. I'm not going to be good enough. And I think that comes from such a deep place of, um, feeling a bit different and a little bit like a fish out of water. And I don't know that that's something that, you know, I don't, I don't know who's born with that, but for me, it was definitely such a huge learning curve because, you know, I was also the first person in my family to have a type of job that was an executive you know, that, that wasn't a, a blue collar job. And mm-hmm. so I had to really like look around the room and I was very fortunate. I've had a lot of great mentors. I've had both male and female mentors, luckily that um, have, have been in my life and, and been able to help me. But that's, uh, that's what I had to really lean towards. So throughout mm-hmm. these um, follow questions, throughout these challenges you faced from the beginning, you know, throughout you know, when you realize people were getting promoted or getting more money, and you know, you had to like, you know, do something to, to take control. What was the biggest lesson that you learned? But what moved you forward? I, I, I learned that I felt like I was trapped in the wrong body. I, <laughs> I, I really didn't do, I, I knew nothing but to go to work, like I said, work hard, keep your head down, Try not to ruffle any feathers and just do your job. I, I knew that, but I was not okay with that anymore. I wasn't being, I wasn't okay with, with being told what clients you had to work on and execute at this time and do this and, and, and with lots of times, no explanation. It just wasn't, it wasn't working for me. I, my entrepreneurial spirit was just bigger than I realized. And because I didn't even think of that being in the, in the realm of possibility, going out and working on my own was something I, I didn't want to take that leap. Like how, cause that's what we're all, we're all afraid of, right? right. We've got the stable right. job, you know, put right. our head down, keep on going, but there's so much more. We've got so much potential. Like you said, we see people getting promoted. Yeah. Some people falling up as they say, right. Whereas where our work ethics, we, we're actually churning all that work out, all that contact out, you know, meeting like exceeding productivity. But sometimes it's that fear that keeps us from taking that next. So did you step. have like a breaking point? Was there something for you that was like, this is it. Like I'm doing it like with everything I'm jumping in, you know, and I'm going to do this. Like, was there something that was there a trigger? Was there something that just made mm-hmm. you just jump? And yeah. And how did you get over that fear? Yeah. Well, I mean, definitely. So, you know, I had been working at a, at a really um, high profile firm and I was, it was kind of like I was dying inside, you know, I, I really was just going a mile a minute, not able to stop. And um, 
I, I think it was just, I, I probably had enough of the stress. I had enough of feeling like I was inadequate. I had enough of feeling like I had done the very best I could, but it wasn't good enough. And so um, when I was able to sort of speak with, you know, uh, with Laura, who's my partner now and learn, you know, what she was sort of interested in, in, in doing and, and creating an agency to where we could really call our own shots and be our own bosses. Like it, it was above and beyond compelling to me. So, the, you know, I'm not afraid of hard work by any stretch of the imagination, but I was ready to turn the tables. I was ready to, you know, not have somebody block me and be able to speak directly with to the CEOs at the companies. Um, I've had instances where, you know, I've had, you know, sort of managers and, and they would take credit for my work, unfortunately. And it wasn't just mine. It would have been my own teams. You know, we couldn't report to the, to the bigger clients and they would kind of block us off. And so even though our team had done this incredible work, we never got to, to share that incredible work. And so there were some skills that I was lacking, you know, going into to future jobs. And so, um, once I was able to, to understand how important it is to, to be able to communicate with the client, but also to be able to, to be a good leader and, and, and help your staff, I just thought, well, I'd rather be in a place that I can create that environment and, and make sure that my clients are, you know, I treat them with respect. They treat me with respect. I just, I, I was just craving a change is really what it was. And, and I knew that if I stayed at a big corporation, that change wasn't going to happen for me. Oh. Well, good job. I mean, I think let's tell everybody exactly what you're doing now, like what, what explain what your company's doing and like where you see your company going. Of course. Um, it's still a small shop. I, I prefer it that way. I have a limited number of clients. I do a limited number of projects and, and that's on purpose, you know? So when you, you know, when you work with my agency, you get, you get me, you get some limited staff, you get some senior folks that are, that are really dedicated. Um, and so, uh, I guess, sorry, I'm going to redo that answer. Um, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Let's see. Um, here's the other part because I work with like a lot of consultants as well like I realize if if this is a project and I need somebody else to come on with me then I'm not afraid to have that other consultant come on so mm -hmm. you know th that's kind of how they it's it's very it's a very collaborative process I suppose so mm -hmm. I'll go with um so what's the agency so what's the agency doing now we still you know we it's a it's a boutique shop I work with a few number of clients, um, very special projects, and that's intentional. It's intentional so that, um, you know, I, I, I understand what happens at the bigger firms where, you know, a client feels comfortable. They want to pay the, you know, $25,000 a month because they have that big name behind them. But really, you've got like two or three people working on, on the brand, and sometimes it's not the senior people that sold you the business. And so, with me, I sell you the business, I work on the business, but, you know, and that's just, and if it's a job where I need to bring someone else on, that's also senior level, you get another person that's senior level. So it's really, it's a collaborative process. And I think that a lot of, I, I know that a lot of boutique firms also work that way. They may not tell you, so maybe I'm telling, you know, industry secret, industry secret here, but um, it, it, 
I, I just see that as, as sort of the, the future, the way that it's, that it's going. Um, I'm actually quite pleased keeping the company at, at the size that it is because I right now have like a life. I'm not working till midnight and it's really incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now look, talk to me, you know, next year and maybe that'll change, but for right now it's a, it's a really comfortable place. And I think it's also because in my career I've, I, you know, I had a, I worked a 22 hour day one day, not kidding. And um, I was with the client and it's just kind of is what it, what it called for. So um, I think being able to have that balance, like if somebody would have told my younger self, like, okay, you know, like it, 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 don't worry, you know, put the 12, the 14 hour day in, but also give yourself a little bit time to recharge because that's just as important, you know, using all of my steam and all of my gas, you know, nobody remembers how late I worked in the office till that time or, or, you know what I mean? I know, and I have the experience, but knowing that that's not what my entire worth is, that is something that I didn't know. I thought that my worth was completely tied to my job. I, I, I just didn't know how to separate those two things. And so I'm doing it a little better. I'm not great at it. Um, and I don't know that if that's a cultural thing or not, but I kind of think so. I mean, Latinos just, we are hardworking people. That is yeah. it. You know, we get the job done and, and also for, and it's kind of done in the shadows quite often. And that's the thing that's a little bit unfortunate as well. I mean, I, I, I'm so just, I'm thrilled that you guys are doing this podcast because it can shine just a different perspective on it that I don't think that people see. And, and, you know, I have had some, definitely some great opportunities in the, in the industry as well, but you know, always being sort of one of the first ones or, or trailblazing, you know, um, it's not a female, but it is a, a, a buddy of mine. And he also happens to be Puerto Rican. My mom's Puerto Rican Spanish and my, um, and, uh, and so when we found each other as young assistants, we like held on tight. So there's probably like three Puerto Rican exec, there were three Puerto Rican executives in the whole entire, you know what I mean? At that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Right. There was two of us forever. Now I think, you know, we have to three, but it's, it's gone up a little bit more. So we did kind of like find each other for sure. Um, what was also interesting is I, um, kept getting, uh, like Latino clients that wanted to break into mainstream. So for a while, that's the kind of business that I was getting as well. They knew I was the girl that could get them into variety or could get them into Hollywood Reporter. And so I was the one that could get them the mainstream press, but um, I don't speak any Spanish. And so when I would go to these events, when they had Spanish speaking um, events or media, they, you know, they would also look at me like, I I don't understand why you don't speak Spanish. So that was also kind of difficult. I would go to Latino events and I wasn't Spanish enough because I didn't speak Spanish. But then when I would go to my, you know, on my other, on the other side of the coin, um, you know, people expect me to speak Spanish because the color of my skin is so brown, right? And so it really does put you in a, in a weird place of like not mm-hmm. understanding where you can identify. Mm-hmm. So. And I could definitely relate to you because I went for a job with a big television you know, um, brand, which I won't say, but in the right, there aren't too many. And when I went to interview, I was, even though I do speak Spanish, my family, my parents are South American and I was not Spanish enough because I did not know the dialect of all Latin America. Like I wasn't too 
Caribbean in the sense of like the Dominican Republic type of Spanish. I was in Central American. And I was just like, this is the most bizarre thing anyone's ever told me that I'm not Latina enough because I can't even my Spanish just doesn't translate. And I'm like, I don't, I mean, I've never had a problem speaking to a Latin person in Spanish, (laughs) but yet I wasn't, I was too, I was too of a Oreo. I was too brown, but like too white, I guess, because it was just not working for them. And so I just thought, oh my God, this is so odd. Um, but that's how it, it is. I feel like for a lot of Latinas, cause we we're, we're put in this thing. We're put in this like category that we're all absolutely the same. And it doesn't matter if you're uh, Mexican, Colombian, Puerto Rican, Guatemala, you know what I mean? Like there's no, no awareness that there's also diversity within Latina and la- within Latino cultures. So I yeah. think that's another disadvantage and, and, you know, and I was talking about this with Jen, I, I think, you know, right now there's a lot of people that are just sort of checking off boxes. And I do think that there is a lot more that has to be done for, you know, like, I think, I think it's a socioeconomic change. I think it's also figuring out someone's heritage and cultural change. I think there's a lot that just has to be done to give people those, those advantages. So, um, and I, diver- I diverted a little bit, but that's, that's, it's just kind of yeah. what it is. <laughs> That's because a topic like, yeah. for our other show, yeah. for our other episode, when we have to come up, because we could talk for hours about that. Because right? I think yeah. we all have a story. Mm-hmm. We all can relate in anything that, like, we all just have a matching story that we're like, oh, this happened to me when I was there. Like, it's just yeah. the camaraderie that Latinas have, um, especially in the workplace. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, with that in mind, you've accomplished so much. Um, you've done such great things. Um, now, you know, with your with your own boutique agency, what what advice would you give to Latinos who would be interested in starting out, not only in this business, but maybe business that aren't really, you know, heavy in, in Latina numbers? Like, what advice would you give them? The advice that I would really give is research the industry. And if you have the opportunity to intern, make sure you take advantage of those interns, uh, those internships. I've got young women that I sort of mentor and intern uh, with currently now, and they're fabulous. They're in college, um, especially the fact that it's in Zoom. I have one intern that's based in Florida that does a lot of social media things for me. Um, I've got another graphic designer that I hired fresh out of, of college. And so for me, I, I actually higher diversity as well. So I think that's important. So being able, and these girls came to me because they were just curious about PR and someone introduced us. And then I was able to, you know, end up one being more of a paid gig and one being more of an internship. So so not being afraid to just sort of go out and ask someone to help you if they can, especially if it's at, you know, one of these smaller firms, they're gonna very likely take you for, um, you know, for an internship because it's it's, that to me is the biggest thing I'd have to say. Of course, that's also my experience. I'm a little bit more biased to that, um, is being able to, to work at different um, places before you decide you know, what, you're, what you want to do. And then once you're in the job, don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, you know, listen, um, you know, don't be afraid to talk to the boss and ask a question. Um, I, I was always too afraid to talk to like, the bosses at the industry. Like I didn't even, in college, I didn't even talk to the professors. You know what I mean? Like for some reason I felt like I couldn't talk to them. And and that's just, again, I don't know why that is the way it was, but you know, just being heard 
And I think that's another thing that, you know, a lot of, well, definitely a lot of Latinas struggle with is like understanding that it's okay to be heard. What you're saying is probably quite intelligent and absolutely useful, but, you know, remove the fear and just go ahead and, 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 and say it and share it. And, and that to me is what I think is, is critical. I would always say uh, when I would, when I would have my, when I was training someone, I was like, as long as no one's going to get killed or we're not going to get sued, it's probably okay. Just ask someone before you do it. And so that was, that was like kind of my style. <laughs> and so that was my style, how I would like, you know, teach my, teach my interns, but it was super frustrating too, because I'd see all these kids come in and I still never saw any diverse kids that came in, you know, and, and how on earth are, you know, people of color supposed to get these jobs is even if that, that level, you don't see any diversity. So that's why with my company, you know, I, that's, I, you know, my, my, my one intern's African-American, my designer is an Asian woman. Like I literally, that's, it's, it's just kind of, that's important to me as well to be able to give back as best as I can. So, you know, research what you're doing, mentor where you can. Um, and then don't be afraid to, I'm not saying, you know, go up there and, and pretend you're the boss, but, you know, don't be afraid to be heard or have some great ideas that could add value. And, and just knowing that you're, opinion and what your you know your thought process could actually be quite beneficial so I, I that's that's what I'd be and also not to be afraid you know don't, don't let something hold you back because then you're you know stuck somewhere that you don't want to be stuck for maybe you know 20 years and 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 really you've wanted to be an entrepreneur or you wanted to be an artist or whatever it might be um I think you just gotta try that's the other thing too don't be afraid to try don't be, don't be afraid. Yeah. Good advice for all of us. Yeah, right? Absolutely. <laughs> we have to, yeah. have to keep reminding ourselves to keep on going so we keep moving forward and keep getting, you know, represented. Absolutely. I mean, not keep, but start getting represented. Little, or sometimes big um, moments of, you know, racism. You know, I'll just say it. You know, sometimes we're afraid to say it, you know, but it's true. And um, I know you, as a Latina, you have faced... Um, you know, some, but there was one we talked about recently that happened at a high profile party, Hollywood party, um, that you and I have, you know, attended before many, many, many times. So I'm wondering if you could, you know, share just in generalities, you don't have to go into specifics, but, you know, basically like what happened and, and how, how it impacted you. Of course. So, I, as, you know, as Jen said, I'm at this very high profile um, Hollywood party. I'm in a ball gown and I've got my ticket for a gift bag, right? It's like your liquid gold. You're and are you as a guest or are you working? I'm, well, that's part of the story. Oh, so God, I got it. I'm a guest, right? But I also, well, here, hold please. So I, you know, I'm in my ball gown. I've got my magic ticket. I go to get my gift bag and the woman refuses to give me the gift bag. She just refuses. And so my, my boss that's standing next to me, beautiful, I love her to pieces, um, five foot nine blonde woman. She was like, we are here because of her. She brokered the deal. The only reason we're here is because, you know, we are sponsored for a deal that she brokered, give her gift bag and hadn't forced her to give me the gift bag because the woman wouldn't do it. And I looked at her and I was like, you know, sometimes it happens. And she was so appalled, you know, like even it gives me like the goosies to talk about it now. Cause I was just, I couldn't believe it was happening. 
And I was so glad that there was another human there to see it because no one would have believed me. And I think it's probably when I told that story to Jen, she was like, I'm sorry, what? You know, and that was, I don't know, six years ago, probably. It wasn't that long ago. I'm dressed in a ball gown, hair and makeup, all glammed out. What do you think? I crashed the party. So unfortunately, those things still happen. (laughs) Wow. And what was her excuse for not wanting to give you specifically, like, a gift back if you have a ticket and you're in a ball gown? She didn't have one. She just was, I, I, she just, she had no answer. She just said, I don't, I, 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 I can't give this to you. And I'm like, wow, I don't understand. Crazy, right? <laughs> it was crazy. Like, but, and then the thing you're thinking too, it's part, it's like, you know, you're like, you're in disbelief. What's I mean, happening? You're going, you know, what's happening? What's going on? And if somebody wasn't there, I'm sure like, I would have thought, did that just really happen? Or did I really look, like read into it? Or did I read into it wrong? You know what I mean? Right, I would have right, right, right. A little bit. Yeah. You're in have- disbelief and then you're embarrassed. And then you go back to that, like, oh, I guess I'm not supposed to be here. Right. I, am I supposed to be in the back in the kitchen washing the dishes? Because right. it took me like, you know, and, and so that's why I realized like it's, it's an inside job, but there are those outside things that do happen. And, you know, those split second moments where you just, yeah, it, it did. So agreed. <laughs> well, I'm sorry that that happened to you. I think we've all experienced something mm-hmm. in our own way, you know, and I mean, it is, it's one of those breathtaking moments that you're like, wow, this just really happened. Like, and you it's still really are happening that person. like today. Ex- exactly. It's not 30 years ago. It's not 20 years. It's yeah. Six like, years ago is not that today. long ago. As we've seen mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. No. So wow. Yeah. That's unfortunate. And that's something that was something like really blatant. We're not even talking about like, you know, the micro cosmic little comments right here and there that we've all experienced. Yeah. So and we haven't even been able to have events for a year. So if you minus a year, it was only five years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. True. Exactly. <laughs> a race last year, yeah. but still. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh my God. I know. Well, that's horrible. And I'm sorry that that happened to you. And those, those things need to stop happening to human beings, you know, period. Like regardless, just because we're a little bit more darker than, you know, others, we're still people. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think the more and more stories that we share, um, and the more and more, like we're open about these things, our hope is that there'll be more conversations about it and people will at least be more like, oh, wow, like these things really do happen. Like we have to be more conscious. It's about, you know, being uh, responsible with how people communicate with other people because I don't think people even realize. No, and that's so important. Actually like speaking out about it because I think part of us sometimes is like, okay, just sweep it under the rug. Like just get past it. Right, because you're embarrassed. Because you're embarrassed. But the thing is, no, we got to talk about it. So that way, when something like that happens, it's like, no, that's not right. You're not acting appropriately. This isn't appropriate. Respect me. And then to just keep it from happening again. Because if we are quiet, which is what happens, Mm -hmm. it keeps happening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It keeps happening. Just like we feel like we're in the shadows. Well, we keep quiet. What's going to happen? We're going to be in the shadows. Yes. So thanks for sharing that story because I think that that's important. Yeah. Because I know we, we've all experienced it. Yeah. You know, exactly. And it's time we have to come out into the light, you know, absolutely. Like, got to be represented. And those type of things can't happen anymore. Mm-mm. So thank you so much, Monica. Thank you for being so just open with us and 
sharing and caring. And um, we're just so happy to share your story. And we're happy for you and your success. And we can't wait to yeah, have you on success. Absolutely. We'll check back and see where everything, where you're headed and what's going on and new projects. And I'm sure there's a lot coming your way in 2021.